<laughs> God, there's so many funny moments in this there movie. There are so many. I literally can't remember any of them, but I, I can remember all of them at the same time. Renee, you look like you got some sadness behind those eyes. <laughs> there's really only one cure for that. Weed. Weed. You know what? Any? Got any? Oh. All right. Well, let's go serving. Let's go serving then. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hello, everyone, and welcome welcome to Bromancing the Stone, the podcast where myself, Renee Sanchez, and my buddy, Max Lyon, we watch rom-coms and then immediately start talking about them and record it for your listening pleasure. Well, hopefully it's pleasure. Hopefully it's pleasure. Up to this point, I know the sound quality hasn't been perfect, but... uh, yeah. Hopefully it's a little bit better this time. Yeah, uh, we keep we keep saying that. That's, that's, that's how we open. It's a journey, man. It's a journey. It's a journey. Okay. It's a journey. Oh man, it's constantly going. This is this is why we uh, we sip. <laughs> exactly. So today. Wait, you're not sipping. I just realized that. Yeah. Should you be? Nah. Okay. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good right now. Uh, so today, slash tonight, we uh, we watched the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yes. And had a good time. Oh, it was good. <laughs> it was fun. Um, but uh, before we get into the movie, hey, how was your week, man? It was good. It was decent. It was, it was same old. Yeah, same here. Yeah, nothing Just, too exciting. That's Except kind for, of what the dead of winter is here in Chicago. It's not just the weather. It's just the the fact that, like, there's no real, like, big event. Yeah. Like, before, like, St. Patty's. That's what I always say. I always say January and February are the worst months for winter. Oh, for the year, really. Because for, Yeah, for Chicago. 100%. Yeah. Because, like, December, even if it gets cold, even if it snows, at least it's the holidays. Like, yeah. you, you know, you're mentally, like, prepared. It's yeah. supposed to snow. Yes. And then January comes, and it's just dark and gloomy and cold and snowy. And then the snow freezes, and then more snow piles on, and that turns brown. And then yeah. it's and there's no holidays. There's no excitement. <laughs> so we make our own excitement. Yep. Today in the form of a podcast. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, there, technically Valentine's Day could be... Uh, you know, something to look forward to in the dead of that winter, but well, it is for us with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because of the podcast now, there's gonna be something to do. But no, we, uh, you know, for for us perpetually single boys like myself, there's not much going on that day. You speak for yourself. I'm gonna be cuddling up real nice with my blanket. <laughs> Just invest in a weighted blanket for that day. <laughs> Or a body pillow. <laughs> or both. Or both. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That movie is a 2008 American romantic comedy that is directed by Nicholas Stoller and starring Jason Segel, Kristen Bell, Mila Kunis, and Russell Brand. Nicholas Stoller. Yes, he is the. 
one who directed the film. He also directed Get Him to the Greek, and he also directed the Five Year Engagement. So interesting. He has a little Jason Siegel relationship. Um, Wait, so who's Judd Apatow? Judd Apatow is the producer, so he helps with the oh, ideas. Oh, okay. And all because I kept also, running across his name when I was doing all my research. Yeah. He and, also and I didn't... was a director for like the Forty Year Old Virgin. Ah, uh, okay, okay. For Knocked Up. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, which are a couple of movies that we might do on this podcast? Yeah, we might actually. <laughs> um, and then the movie was written by Siegel, and then co-produced with by Judd Apatow and released on Universal Pictures. Da, 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 uh, yeah. Da, da. And then uh, the movie was released April 18th. It's uh, and then uh, in 2008. How long? 2008. Yeah, no. Jesus. Okay, so that there's there's thoughts behind. There's thoughts. I was trying to place myself for that Uh, now. But how long is the movie? Um, 109 minutes. Jesus, you're getting good at this. It's yep. 111 minutes. Yeah! Man. Yeah! Slightly too long. Yeah, it was It was pretty long. Slightly too long. There's a couple little bits that could probably afford to be shortened. But it didn't feel that long. Yeah, it didn't feel laborious, mm-hmm. but it could be more efficient. Especially after movies like Notting Hill and When... Mar- when bleh, wow. When Harry met Sally. When Harry met Sally was only 90 minutes. Yeah, but I'm saying that that like uh, family of movies where like back then they felt a little bit longer because they were a more... They were sprawling. Like, yeah, it was... It more was, storyline. Well, yeah, wasn't it kind of more of a... Yeah, a built storyline. Yeah, because they spanned multiple time periods and everything else like that. Whereas well, like, this is basically happening over a week. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, like, early 2000s and mid-2000s movies were picking up pace to begin with. Like, those two were slightly older movies, True. you know, so... And then... Slower pace. Although Judd Apatow movies are usually pretty long. Are they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 40-Year-Old Virgin was, was pretty long, almost two hours. Too. 40-Year-Old Virgin was almost two hours. And then well... I, I feel like we might have been watching the unrated version. We were. Okay. Yeah, because there were some extra ad-libs that were there that weren't in, like, the original... We were, because one of the things I came across when I was going through the research for... Tasty tidbits. <laughs> the tasty tidbits. Yeah. Was, uh, was that the scene... Oh, no, I don't even remember what it was. But there was a scene in there that I've <laughs> always thought was in there. And then it was like, oh, it's only in the unrated version. I'm like, well, then I've only ever seen the unrated version, I think. <laughs> Which is possible. I mean, that was the... The hook to buying DVDs in the late 2000s, man. Yeah. And yeah, then uh, the movie had a budget of $30 million for okay. a movie filming in Hawaii. It's not too bad. That's, yeah, that's not bad at all. I mean, yeah, to get everything over there to film, it's got to be expensive. I mean, that's just an expensive state to live in. So. I would have expected they did a lot of it in Southern California from somewhere and just... yeah kind of faked it yeah like green screened it and everything yeah no uh what did they make in the box office 
And then you said they spent thirty million. Spent thirty million. Let's say one hundred and twenty million. Close, hundred and five point two million dollars. Nice. That's so, pretty solid for that movie. Yeah. Now we're starting. The percentages aren't as crazy like as like, Notting Hill was in the late nineties. Yeah. Movies that was... from like the nineties and eighties are going to have a crazier percentage because of just how prevalent movies were in the eighties and nineties, like going to the movies and right. everything else. So you're going to start seeing it the later we go, lower box office numbers. Okay. But this is, Makes so this sense. is, even though it's not, it hasn't even hit four times the budget, still a gigantic hit. Like for a mm-hmm. long time. Yeah, you know, definitely. I'd say that's so. That's a fantastic box office for it. Especially for, like you know, late 2000s where rom-coms weren't like the thing to see. Yep. Superhero movies were just starting to come on. Um, what else was famous back then, popular back then? <laughs> I don't know. Sports movies? No, that was earlier. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Action movies? Just random movies. I don't, I don't know. Like just anyway. com- like comics were kind of yeah, coming in. They that's were kind of. Anyway, there was other stuff. That's that's the point here. <laughs> <laughs> so Max. So. Before we get into your tasty tidbits. Oh, you don't want to just leap right in? Usually you're so excited. Well, we got to talk about our first memory that comes up. Oh, damn. I think of this movie. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when forgetting Sarah Marshall is mentioned to you? When you think about this movie? Um, I think of my, I think of my first ex. And I, actually, now that I think about it, I think the first time I watched it was after that breakup. That's right. It came out, wait, when did you say it came out? April of 2008. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, wow. That's it. Yeah. I'd never thought about that. And that's why I immediately jumped to saying superhero movies were starting to be popular because that was the same month or like right after that, I went and saw Iron Man for the first time. It had just come out. Wow. The very first Iron Man. And both of those movies, well, I knew Iron Man I used to kind of get my mind off the breakup, but it must have been that movie too. But I didn't actively associate it with it. That's crazy. I completely <laughs> forgotten about that. Huh. Well, my first memory isn't necessarily about an ex. Huh? It's, um, but it is about where we were at that time i remember when this movie came out and on on that friday seeing it during the day because i didn't have class on that friday you know oh I mean? yeah it just makes me think of like college just yeah being in college, cause this was our this was at this point would be the end of our sophomore year mm-hmm. so you know like i just remember just it being a sunny day outside and being at the gateway mall oh yeah was but I remember the Gateway Mall had two theaters. It had the new theater where like you watch the new movies at, and then it had the dollar fifty theater on the other side of the mall. Oh, I'd completely forgotten about that. That's $1. where we saw the time mall. traveler's wife. Oh, that's right. You remember that? Oh my god, I forgot that. I saw that with you. Yeah, I remember going to like being such a poor broke college student <laughs> that one time I went and <laughs> I snuck a four loco in cargo shorts into 
Oh my god! And the dollar fifty movie, and then on Monday nights it was fifty cents. So I think it was fifty cents. I snuck a four logo in cargo shorts into a fifty cent movie and drank it while watching the movie, and I left there drunk as hell. Oh god, college. Anyway, oh. so I just see think, simpler times. Yeah, simpler so this times. This movie makes you think of the Gateway Mall in Spring, technically in Springfield, Oregon, near the University of Oregon campus. Shout out to the Gateway Mall. Probably are it's probably not even there. Yes, yeah. malls have lost to Amazon. Amazon is one. So, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, before we get to your tasty tidbits, though, we're gonna take a quick, tiny break. Enjoy this musical swipe. listening through that musical swipe or that's what i call it and that's what i think neil brennan calls it but anyway appreciate you we don't, have this, to, we don't have to this, say hi every time we yes, come back we do they we could just keep talking you the tens and tens of listeners were gone for about five to seven seconds i don't know how long the clip is oh so they needed to be welcomed back and now their gift for being welcomed back is you rambling is hearing some tasty tidbits <laughs> oh, I'm from Max I'm Lyon. Let's go. Okay. Give some tasty tidbits okay. about Okay. Marshall. Let's do this. All right. Okay. So I'm gonna hit you with some. So there's some. There's some good ones on this. I'm excited. There's some juicy I'm ones. I'm excited. I was digging it while I was researching, but it's almost so much that I I really should have spent some time like curating it a little bit and and actually. Uh, Ordering it better, so but you know what? It's an adventure, like you said. It's a journey. We're gonna go through it. So here we go. I'm gonna hit you with some quick fun facts first. Okay. So we got Jason Siegel is actually playing the piano throughout the movie. That that makes sense. He does possess that skill. Yep. Um, Mina Mila Kunis, of course, used a body double for the Flash photo. Yep. I didn't she's... think her nipples were that big. <laughs> Um, there's an action figure of Carl Jung hanging on the side of Siegel's fridge. I don't know who Carl Jung is. I neither do I. Oh, he's a famous psychiatrist. And an important figure. Okay. Too many in that. Okay, whatever. That was a bad one. I'm sorry. Yeah. I I see what you mean about not being able to curate these before he's saying them out loud. Yep. 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 Um, you know, hey, no, 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 I'll do better. I'll do better. I'll do better. I'll do better. I promise. Okay. Uh, Kristen Bell actually injured her knee during the film. Ooh. And uh, she injured it during horseback riding, which apparently was a scene. I must have been a deleted one. Yeah, I don't remember her horseback riding, nope. right? But it was apparently part of the movie. Um, it healed up. Nicely, but you can still see her slightly limping throughout several parts of the movie. <laughs> um, let's see. He took uh, Jason Siegel took real life experiences and put them into the film. I'll have more on that later. Uh, and there was a reference, an an unintentional reference to the movie Pulse, which I've never heard of. Have you? Nope. Okay. So apparently, Kristen Bell was actually in that too. Okay. And it had, you remember when they're joking about how she's going to make a, or she did make a movie about killer phones? Yeah. Apparently it was similar to that plot. (laughs) 
and when they when Siegel and Judd Apatow and every and everybody were discussing that scene, they had no idea that Kristen Bell was in a movie like that. And when she read about it, she was kind of bog, bugged by it. Yeah. And like a little bit bothered, like thought they were making fun of her. <laughs> and they're like, no, we honestly did not know there was, we just tried coming up with the worst movie we could think of. <laughs> and of course that didn't help things. <laughs> That's so amazing. Oh man. I like that one. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty good one. Um, the puppets in the Dracula musical were actually made by Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Yep. Jim Henson was, of course, the creator of the Muppets. Yeah. Welcome to the Muppet Show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and going back to uh, the real world experiences of Jason Siegel being incorporated into the film, mm-hmm. uh, his breakup with Linda Cardellini, yeah. his co-star from Freaks and Geeks, Yep. Oh, I didn't even know he was dating. I didn't know they dated in real life either. I, I thought I'd heard it once, but I didn't know that. So they broke up, and that partially inspired the movie. Wow. I don't know how long before they broke up. I'm guessing it wasn't, like, right before it or anything. I'm guessing he was just kind of, like, drawing from part of his past Yeah. to write the movie. But um, if I had been really an in-depth researcher in my tasty tidbits. <laughs> I would have found out when they broke up. Next time. It's okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't, that was, that was a weird one. I, I was like, I did not even, I mean, I knew they, they dated in Freaks and Geeks, right? Yes. That's so weird. Also, something we may have missed in the tiny town of Eugene was that apparently there were uh, huge... Uh, you know, like the the movie posters that were put up all over mm-hmm. New York, L.A., Chicago. Yeah. Um, and they they looked they looked like this. Here, I'll, I'll zoom in for you. They looked like that. So they were they <laughs> we were did not get this. So it's basically a no. big white sheet of paper and in black writing. It just says "You suck, Sarah Marshall." And this particular picture that I'm showing Renee has Jason Siegel spray painting or with it holding a can of spray paint <laughs> to make it look like that he spray painted that on a, a big white <laughs> piece of paper. So these were like their market uh, uh, marketing posters. That's solid. The 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 bad part about it was that. Apparently, there were a lot of people named Sarah Marshall. Wow. They did not get the reference. And so they just thought people were fucking with them. And one uh, one particular poor old 70-year-old woman in New York said the language was a bit too rough for my taste, and she apparently complained to the studio. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Taking it personally, like how I don't suck. Like, how dare she you? She lives in her goddamn rent-controlled apartment in New York. Like fucking, you only pay two hundred fifty dollars a month right now. Like, shut up and just take the poster. So I'm I'm picturing some frail seventy-year-old woman who's just being innocent, getting her local groceries and. Nah, I'm. I'm but now I'm that you bring that up, I'm picturing an older New York lady who's got a rent-controlled apartment and just was yeah. Like, no, I don't suck. How dare you bring this kind of words into our neighborhood? So you think it was someone from London who came over to the United States? Yeah, isn't that how I... You sound like you're from London. You sound like you're from London! (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much every Paul Rudd scene in this movie is fantastic. (laughs) Should we just start talking about the movie? 
Um, I think uh, so. Oh well, no, there's there's some more. There's some more. There's some more tasty. There's tips. more. I'm sorry. I I. There's some good ones there that I haven't gotten to. Let's do it. Jason Siegel actually wrote the song "Inside of You." Nice. Um, as an attempt to quote be the worst song your ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend could sing in front of you. <laughs> I'd say starting with the title. Because it's got a solid like mix of like imagery of just seeing someone else inside of the, you yeah. know, the woman you used to love at the same time. Also, this just like, you know, fake, deep shit. And so that's just annoying yep. on a human level. Yep. And you just mix it all together and then you get that song. Because the last thing you want to do is start imagining someone else being with the person that you're still trying to get over. And being a fake deep, like, douche. Yeah. Yeah, so now you're forced to not only confront the reality that someone else is with her. But also you keep thinking to yourself, I'm worse than this motherfucker. Right? Like... Yeah. Yeah. That's deep. Right? That's yeah. some deep shit. Yeah. Um, okay, a couple more ta- really tasty ones. So this one is decently tasty that uh, Kristen Bell's actual TV show, Veronica Mars at the time, got canceled the day before she saw- shot the scene about Holy the show shit. getting canceled. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. So maybe she rehearsed it a few too many times and spoke it into existence. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's one that I particularly thought was hilarious, was that apparently Siegel completely rewrote the character of Aldous Snow. Originally, Aldous Snow was supposed to be this super posh and respectable and suave guy. So basically the complete opposite, but but still just as threatening. But in a more, I guess, like... um, like he's better than you, more of a self-loathing way for the male character. Yeah. Like I don't compare and I can't compete with this guy. Whereas this is a little more a little more thought behind it. That's what makes this a better choice than the posh one. I agree. Because you this is a very flawed human being you're competing against who doesn't have any ill will toward you and you can see how he's better than you in some ways. And you can see how he's worse than you in other ways. And it makes you constantly wonder about yourself in that I can't compete with this guy. And at the same time, how in the fuck did she choose him over me? And it's like the perfect balance of seeing it yet questioning it Mm -hmm. all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it it makes it much more interesting than if it was just some like posh British dude who seemed nice and good. And then all of a sudden had one scene where he acted like a dick. And it was like, oh, he's not what he's cracked up to be, which is... Oh, a lot of rom-coms would have done. Like, for example, a perfect example of that is, uh, uh, it's not a, I wouldn't call it a rom-com, but it, Mrs. Doubtfire. Where Pierce, Pierce Brosnan, Brosnan is the, yeah. is the, yeah. Like that's, because that's exactly what any of, I think a lot of people would picture as like, if I'm going to get, get topped by someone, it's going to be some, you know, perfect, rich, suave yeah. person. Yeah. By James Bond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe we just tell ourselves that so it's a little easier to. <laughs> to <laughs> but uh, yeah, like because like you said, then he's faced with that guy on stage, and you're like, really? Mm-hmm. This is better than me. Oh, come on. Yep. So on that note, Jason Na- uh, Jason Siegel actually got naked dumped in real life. 
<laughs> I knew there was something behind it. Um, but in real life, Siegel actually put on clothes halfway through the breakup, which apparently was equally awkward. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm not gonna go put. I'm not gonna go put clothes on. If I put clothes on, then it's real. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's such uh, a good line. Jason Siegel actually didn't tell his family about the nude scene. Oh jeez. And his mother cried in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And they were not laughing tears. Yeah. Like. I would. I kind of half expected him to come from a, a very loose, loosely yeah. like personality family, where that they, they kind of fostered a creative and comedic mind like his. I think he comes from like Minnesota in real life, and it wasn't I think just you're right. racial. So I think like, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So it's just the very Midwest, like mm-hmm. you know, a little more reserved and reserved Midwest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, she did not take it as a joke. <laughs> she actually sent out an email to family members warning them about the scene. But saying, of course, that it was, quote, essential to the plot. <laughs> and, um, the last weird one, I think, was, uh, that years, actually, before Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Jason Siegel had actually written a Dracula musical. Wow. That he actually wanted to perform with puppets. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, when they were brainstorming ideas for what he would sing while he was in the, in the shop or in the bar, he, he jokingly said to Judd Apatow, you know, you can, you can play my music. <laughs> Judd Apatow actually liked it, liked the idea, and then Jason Siegel was like, no, you can't. You can't play this for anyone ever. This is not. This is not. No. And then it got into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just like deeper levels of. He shared it with shared the idea with someone, immediately regretted it, and then got forced to show it in public, but on two levels. What two levels? Like he told in the movie, he told Rachel. Oh yeah, he and like then Rachel's the one who signed him up to sing it, and then he told Judd that he had this idea, and then Judd immediately puts it in the movie. It's like stage fright inception. Like, that's double the same thing. That's nuts. <laughs> it's inception. <laughs> stage fright within stage fright. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's all so take a moment to think about that i know um i don't think there were any other major ones let me skim really really quickly um oh the place where they filmed was actually called turtle bay resort which is the name of it in the movie have you ever seen sea turtles fucking (laughs) goes on for three hours fucking magical Oh, wow, I forgot about this. Mila Kunis also got injured. She got in a jet ski accident while shooting the film. Oh, jeez. Which resulted actually in a scar across her neck. Whoa. Which, now that I think about it, she had her hair down a lot. I don't think she ever had it up, did she? I don't remember her having it up now. And I think it was always around at least one side of her neck, and I wonder if that side... It's the one with the scar. With the scar. Or at the, I'm sure at the time it, it was, was a like cut a huge, or a, yeah. something with a bandage over it and... 
Wow. See, that's the kind of stuff I like. I like reading about because then it makes me like put myself in the like in the filming process a little bit. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, you know, I'm not just watching the movie anymore. Now I'm like, you know, partially there on the set watching it all get made. You know, I'm like seeing these normal, real people that are just just happen to be actors making it. Um. Okay. I think I think that about does it. Um, yeah, I think, I think that does it. That was one of the more elaborate tasty tidbits. I, I thought so. History. I thought it was good though. I enjoyed all of them. I thought so. Oh, the Kristen wig scene was the, actually the cut scene. Ah, okay. Yeah. So that whole yoga scene. Yeah. I knew she was uncredited as a yoga teacher because I think it wasn't in the original. Yeah. So is that what it means when they list someone as uncredited? Either that or it's like a cameo that they don't necessarily have to list them. And then there might be some language within the contract as to what they have to pay them if they list them. Oh. So then if they use that as a cameo, then they could get away with like paying them different amounts. Um, I believe wow. uh, in the last movie, Notting Hill, Alec Baldwin in his one scene uh, where yeah, he asked him to adios those dishes, um, <laughs> he's unlisted as... For that cameo. Huh. I didn't realize that they would have to pay them more. I mean, yeah. But I guess that makes sense. There's a whole union. There's an actor's guild. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like a whole union that, you know, requires certain payments for certain bits. Jesus. Yeah. So does it matter what order you're cast in, too? Um, Like like when, you know, how they list them? Yeah, if you're, like, first in the call. I mean, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. That's why I always list who's listed on there so like i mentioned the four right when jason siegel kristen bell mila, or mila kunis kristen bell uh russell brand like those are the main ones and they're put there because it means attracts it. attention yeah. you know the name you see yeah, it on exactly. a poster and then and... sometimes when it's like a tenured actor then it'll be they'll get the and you know at the that's what that means yeah the I was, to me that always felt like a slap in the face well so, like, say Kathy Bates is doing a random movie. Like, she, and she's not the star, but she's like, you know, the, like in The Water Boy, right, she's the right. mother of Adam Sandler. Right. She gets the and. Oh, okay. Adam so Sandler's maybe. The star, but Kathy Bates is the next biggest name, but she's a supporting character. But, and so it's like, she. It's a lesser role, but the, she's so a. So she got either be the second build or you could put her on the and. Gotcha. And the and is, like, gives the proper reverence to the name. Okay. Compared to second, it's all ego and very little about money. And and I believe and I believe that's all true. Not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> I just believe that's all true. Oh, you had me convinced. So I'll yeah, take I'm it. Pretty, works for me. It I'm works for me. Sure, I'm pretty sure, but like not a hundred, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure. On that. Yeah, it sold me. Yeah. Well, to segue into actually discussing the movie, I have yes. one final one. Oh, we found another taste. I did. Tidbit. I did. It's, it's not. It's not that great, but it's a good segue. Okay. Um, all it is is that uh, Judd Apatow actually requested that Siegel write a drama. So he said, "Quote: I want the first draft you give me to be a drama. We'll make it funny. It's going to be funny because we're funny, and we're going to add jokes, and people we cast will be funny. The reason people will see it." and see it again and again or connect to it is because there's an underlying drama. 
That's I thought that so was, true. I thought that was actually pretty good. I thought that was a really good strategy. Like, think of it this way. Like, when you think of, like, someone with a comedic mind or someone who just ha- can't help but crack jokes, like, think of, like, funerals. Mm-hmm. Like, they're sad as fuck. Someone's gone. It's really sad. And then afterward, usually at like the reception or things, like people will then start remembering the good times and cracking right, jokes and right. as they like have a few drinks and everything else like that. So it's like it's the same sort of thing where you're just like, let's write something that's just like you can't drag humor out of immediately when you ingest it. And then we'll start adding the humor as we bring our own because that's just where our mind goes. Right. Automatically. Right, exactly. But you still have the deep connection to the you know, the, the the event yeah yeah i mean i think that's smart that's just innately human well yeah exactly so i was just about to say i think i think the the dramatic side of life is the essential part of life like everyone goes through drama everyone goes through problems but the humor in life the fun times is what actually brings us closer together mm-hmm. like everyone's going to go through their low points but it's what you do with those low points, how you pick yourself back up. And if you do it together, then that's all that matters. Yeah. I agree. So. So. <laughs> let's get into it. What did you think about the movie? What what impressed you about it? What what I, stood I, out from it? Like, comedically, like, there's so many lines that are quotable, and it's because the comedy is really good. It's just like... Those movies I mentioned earlier, like the reason why these movies are so funny is just like there's so many quotes or so many jokes that just hit and yeah. are, are good. But it's just the jokes that are written in this movie are very human. Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. like with 40 year old virgin, that was just initially funny because it was just like all these like outlandish lines that were being said by, you know, the straight laced Steve Carell, you know, oh, Kelly Clarkson. You know, like things like that, where it's just like, what the hell? What's where's that right. from? Um, but like the jokes in this movie are very just like human and grounded. Like where all of a sudden, like Mila Kunis sees her ex boyfriend, and you mm-hmm. immediately expect, yeah, like <laughs> as like as a rom com, the the beat is to go to like this tense like, oh, exactly, you know, high, yeah. high, like this tense like emotional conflict. And immediately it goes to her trying to fucking beat him up. And then, and like, and then the, it starts a whole fight, yeah, and, then and then the fight the scene fight. just cuts right in the and, middle of it. Yeah, and then there's the, the waiter that he recognizes, and just, like, that waiter immediately budges him. And, like... Or the, then, and then the, the, waiter, boar, the boar stabbing scene? Oh, and then the boar stabbing scene. Yes, exactly, where it's like, yeah, we're going to go cook. So you expect them yeah, to see, like, some I'm montage of, cook. like, oh, hey, they're cooking, like... Yeah. This. No, they're actually slaughtering like... the fucking boar, and it's just, like, this quick cutaway to, like, him stabbing the boar. <laughs> and he's and, like, crying. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, those... Those are, like, just crazy... And then them walking like, along the beach. It's just, like... Oh, man. You, you don't forget that there's a human that you're watching. Like, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's more real life. Yeah. It's, you're not... And it's not as much as, like, laughing at, like, what what's being said or, like, who's saying it. It's more of laughing at the experience itself. Yeah, you're connecting you're to connecting it You're connecting to the experience mm-hmm. as opposed to the person or the situation. It's more relatable. 
I yeah. think. I think that kind of humor is a lot more relatable because yeah. it's like, yeah, it's it's based in reality. It's similar to what I think a lot of people have probably gone through at various points in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of this movie is like that. It's very relatable. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's that's a good observation. It's very real world. It's very. Uh, it's not like uh, you know these these setup jokes. You know that are supposed to make you laugh, or like you said, the typical rom com scenes that kind of bring it back down to a dramatic level for a moment, and suddenly there's this weird tension, or there's a serious moment, or whatever. It's it's just real world chaos that is happening throughout the yes. movie, and drama and humor are both naturally a part of life yes. chaos. So you don't need to dress it up with manufactured jokes. So. Yeah, I liked it. I like that about it. It's great. Plus Paul Rudd. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. Like I, I, I love this movie. I love this movie for like what you said. All the different jokes, the quick cut scenes, which I think is another reason why it feels faster than older movies. Yeah. Older movies are telling the story, and occasionally there's a good joke in there somewhere, but it's naturally kind of part of the storyline. This one was. I think newer newer rom-coms are more about the comedy sometimes. Yeah. And they do what Forgetting Sarah Marshall did where it does the quick cut, you know, yeah. joke scenes, the funny moments. Um, sometimes, again, to even aid in the joke. You know, the quick cut itself is the funny part. But uh, of all the great stuff in this movie, the great, the great actors, I mean, again, these are all my opinions, but Paul Rudd, like... I I don't forget about him, but at the same time, you kind of do. Like, I forget he's in this movie, and then every time he's in it, and his quirky-ass, smiling, ear-to-ear face shows up at the damn surfboard stand. You can't even fucking see his eyes the whole damn time. Just, yeah, and just the way he delivers lines. Oh, it's so good. I love it. Just because you forget it's Paul Rudd. Like, mm-hmm. And you think about like the meme, like, hey... Look at us. Yeah. Who would have thought we'd be where we are? Yeah. Not me. Yeah. yeah. Like, you think of that meme, or just, like, Paul Rudd in general, and he's the same Paul Rudd that you've been seeing for, like, like the last 20 to 30 years, but this one is different. Like, he's so... The way he delivers lines... You sound like you're from London! Well, that, and, like, when he's out <laughs> in the water, just the way he says, with life fancy lemons, say, say fuck, fuck the lemon and, and bail. bail. Like, just... Little lines like that, the way he says them. Like, or what is just like, I'm 44. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. just that. Just... That would make me 44? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so good. <laughs> so, it's just been like, there's so many side characters that just are asked to hit one note. Yeah. I need you to hit this one note, and I need you to hit it right now. Mm-hmm. Like, right here. And when you hit that note, you hit that note, and everyone hits their notes, we're going to make this really beautiful sound. And it's just like... It's very good very good like, analogy. Paul Rudd hits his note. Jonah Hill hits his fucking note. Oh, fuck. Jonah Hill's another one. Yes. Another one that you never think... Like, we all know who Paul Rudd and Jonah Hill... Well, most people yeah. know who they are, but... Yeah. Like, you would never... When you think of forgetting Sarah Marshall, that's not... Easily not the first few people you think of. Yeah. And, like... But they fucking make... So many good scenes in this Russell movie. Russell Brand pretty much has one note, and he hits it really fucking well. Like, exactly. He, there's, 
you know, and then there's you know the bar, the hotel staff, the fucking the Kuna, and like, and the bartender, and like, and even Jack McBrayer and Maria Thayer, who mm-hmm. we talked about in the very mm-hmm. first episode about being in this movie. Yep. Like they Flashback all already, and they hit it so well, so that Kristen Bell and Jason Segel and Mila Kunis can cook, and like those three can then just cook mm-hmm. and be the dynamic characters. But everyone just does their part so well, and it really works with this movie. So good. Yeah. Like, you know, what also, I've never been through a breakup myself, but I felt like it was just so, like, I feel like I know what going through a breakup is after, like, from this movie. Yeah, well, that like, goes back to your, your observation I mean, about it being real. The only real. thing is, like, the depth of pain that comes with it, but, like, yeah. as far as everything else that goes surrounds a breakup, I feel like I know it from this movie. Yeah, it's it's a pretty close... I mean, for what you can convey through a movie, which isn't... In my opinion, doesn't scratch the surface, but the uh, the the outer surface of it of the event the the most observable part of the experience this captures it pretty well it's like the same kind of emotional arc is conveyed very well all the fucking roller coaster you go through yeah those weird moments of jokes and you know picking yourself back up and Feeling down the dumps, crying off of the balcony. <laughs> I think it's some woman above me. Some woman above me. You're on the top floor. <laughs> I'll try to keep it down. <laughs> he goes right back to it. I know. Welcome yeah. everybody to the Muppet Show. <laughs> <laughs> I love when he does that. Uh, or just when he sings at the toward the end, you know. See a psychiatrist. I hate the psychiatrist. Oh, yeah. Go see a many. I forgot how funny that was the very first time I watched this movie. Yeah. Because that was something my buddies and I would always do when we would get drunk after seeing this movie. It, like we would just make that joke like go see a psychiatrist i hate the psychiatrist <laughs> <laughs> we just sing that random shit yeah, that's, that's a, I, see i forget about that little stuff too yeah just all those little jokes die, that made it die die, die. i can't <laughs> just oh man goodness if i had a nickel for every time i saw this movie and the hangover but junior and senior year of college mm. i would have a hundred bucks on me right now see i didn't crack into the hangover until after college Nah, that was uh that was uh, a, a favorite at the uh the butt place yeah the butt place andrew butt oh yeah so i mean you didn't party with andrew butt as much as we did because mm-hmm. we lived right across the street from andrew butt shout out andrew butt um but oh yeah i forgot he lived across the street yeah he lived like right across the street from where we were so um, we partied a lot with him toward the end of senior year and like in yeah. junior year. Well, senior year because that was when we lived in that apartment. But yeah, like The Hangover would always be playing in the background or this movie. <laughs> like it was just those two movies on loop while we're listening <laughs> to music and like playing beer pog because that's the that's uh, the college lifestyle. <laughs> you know, every now and then I I still I'm not gonna lie I still love a good game of beer pong. Hey man, I mean it's, it's it brings it's a out fun the game in and of itself. There's a yeah. reason why when you go to like a college football game and in the tailgate, there's still thirty and forty something that are playing beer pong along with the college kids before the game. Of course, now at least for me, it's water pong, and then you, <laughs> you have like a yeah, because fuck germs. I got to yeah. drink down the side uh, yeah. like a normal adult. 
Well, this may be a college game, but I ain't yeah. in no college anymore. So yeah. uh, let's let's especially, keep this civilized. Especially we're playing in a dingy I'm a grown ass garage. adult. Like, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Katie's wedding. Oh yeah. <laughs> That too. Is that what you're referencing? No, I was just referencing just the general. It always seemed like the beer pong table was in the garage, which always hadn't been swept in like three That's years. That's true. Well, it's so a garage. So the ping pong ball just collected dust and hairs and shit. And then we just washed it off in cold, tepid water and think that, <laughs> oh, we've killed all the fucking germs. Yeah. Time to throw it into yeah. a beer that's going to be consumed by one of those two people if it lands in there. You know... Now that I've actually gone through college and I've learned a few things, what we should have done is dip it in hydrogen peroxide. Yeah, true. Because hydrogen peroxide... I bite my nails, though. That'll burn my fingers really bad. No, it doesn't burn like alcohol does. Oh. And it's it's consumable in small doses. In fact, it used to be used as a mouthwash. My mom actually would tell me to use that sometimes, uh, to use hydrogen peroxide to swish... And then it would always bubble on my teeth. Yep, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's the stuff. Yeah, it's not like uh, rubbing alcohol where it burns. Yeah, but it's it's the stuff that yeah when you're when you put it on an infection it like sizzles and disinfects a little bit. Which so it would have been perfect. And then you could throw it. You know who else would needed hydrogen peroxide? What? All the snow when he got the coral (laughs) reef put into his leg. (laughs) You're really losing a lot of blood. (laughs) Can you get me some towels? You sound like you're from London. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Like, that's... So, I mean, we've mentioned all these, like, funny parts and funny... Like, the comedy in this movie is top-notch. I can't stop laughing and picturing Paul Rudd. (laughs) You sound like you're from London. But, like, one thing I will say is that we're not just a comedy review podcast. We are not. We are a romantic comedy reviewing podcast. We are indeed. But we did need to take a little uh, reverie in the form of comedy. Well, I mean, because that's the main course, course of this movie, is the comedy of this movie. But as a romance, what were your thoughts? Well, this is, I guess, I, I guess we're, uh, we're assuming that Mila Kunis and Jason Siegel are the romance, right? Well, We're not reviewing that, the... The whole triangle, really. I mean, we can, okay. we can also throw in the dissolution of Sarah and Peter's relationship. Yeah. I mean, I I liked it. I, I of course, never liked the, the idea of, of uh, cheating, but I thought for, like, that whole dynamic... It worked. Like it, it made a lot of sense, and I think everything that followed that, that whole breakup in the beginning, made sense. And I think it was. I think it was actually a pretty, for what you could show in a two-hour-long movie, less. I think it was a pretty good way to convey that whole uh, fallout, that aftermath, and what kind of things would potentially happen. I liked it. I thought it made sense. I thought uh, they all did really well. I thought Kristen Bell's character, I'm glad they showed that that she was conflicted, that it wasn't just, you know, a nice clean break for her and that, uh, you know, Jason Siegel was the one that was just left to deal with it. I thought that was going back to the main theme of, of believability and um, 
uh, relatability. I think that was a, that was a good touch. Um, yeah, I liked it. I think it it worked. It was and it wasn't too heavy. So really, I guess maybe I just like comedies. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I thought the romance was good. Okay. So, you know, good. Uh, as far as good. Like a reliable good or a so like the, solid the, good. The dissolution or? of Sarah and Peter, like it's a solid good. Like Peter and Sarah's like breakup and like the whole way that they did that, I thought was done really well. Like that's obviously what was written well mm-hmm. in this movie. Just the whole, even the whole, you know, especially when they have the moment where she puts puts her mouth on him. Mm. Like that actually worked well in that he tried to not fall back into it. That but, scene always makes me so uncomfortable. But and I, I haven't quite figured out why. But here's why it's uncomfortable. It's because it's just, and this is part of the reason why the romance is just good. But there's another couple levels it could have gone to. So that whole thing's happening. Peter, in and of himself, was broken up with, like out of the blue, and then he she's already moved on with someone else. So he's feeling absolutely like he just he's lost. Mm-hmm. Like he is the loser of this breakup sort of thing, and he does has no power when it right. comes to him and Sarah. And all in his head, he's probably just thinking, she doesn't care about me. She never apologized to me. Like, who the fuck, like, is this? Right. Yeah. Well, that's why he he says, say you're sorry. It, that is exactly what I was getting to. He tells her to say you're sorry. She says she's sorry. And he immediately starts making out yep. with her. And immediately submits. And it's obvious that it, this is just, like, he wants her, all he's wanted from her since the breakup is to admit fault. Admit yep. that she was the one who did him wrong. That he wasn't the one. That, he wasn't the problem. Yep. It was her the whole time. He just wants that, like escape out of that. That all is deep and well done, and like there's a lot of layers to it. But it's also uncomfortable. <laughs> like it, just, it, it is uncomfortable, but it's completely like a correct way to go. That's kind of the whole write a drama first, and then yeah, um, comedy yeah. Later. Like, that's all very real. Well, especially since it comes after... I don't remember how long after, but it comes after... It comes fairly closely after the scene where she's telling him what he did wrong to end the relationship. Yes, exactly. Where she's blaming it on, on yeah. him. But then when she's feeling vulnerable, and that's the whole reason Peter exactly. was there. Like, whatever she wanted, whatever, whenever she felt a certain way is how the relationship was dictated. So that case, situation, she was vulnerable. She needed to be validated again. Yeah. After Aldous, like, had slipped mm-hmm. with the housekeeper and basically said, fuck off. So that's why the whole thing happens. Now, why well, go back to the whole written by a guy thing. I didn't even think about that part. Now, she was suddenly in... A powerless position. No, she was in Jason Siegel's character's position. I know, a powerless position. No, but I mean, like, with, like, direct position where she had been technically cheated on. In a way. By Alda Snow. Yeah. Like, suddenly to, she to was a, experiencing the same thing. To a lesser extent, of To course. a lesser extent, yeah. but it was continuing the... Yes. The uh, karmic chain, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but, like, as I mentioned about the male writer, it's always, like, Peter gets the satisfaction of hearing her say she's sorry. And it's like, that's 
Yeah, like, yeah, like, okay, like, sure, that could happen, fine, whatever. There was another little part between he and Rachel, Mila Kunis's character, and this is where I felt like, even though Mila Kunis was absolutely gorgeous in this movie, mm-hmm. and her character is so attractive, there's so many friends of mine, guys, who were just like, oh my god, Mila Kunis and Forgetting Sarah Marshall is like the perfect girl. Even right. Kristen Bell looked really good in this. Like they, they both, they well, both. It's hard to like Kristen Bell because of her role, but yeah, but Kristen Bell was, you know, very pretty in this movie. Yeah, well. yes, a hundred percent. But the reason why I mentioned Mila Kunis and about like the whole, you know, attractive and attraction that all guys had to her in this movie, it's because it was written by a guy. Like the whole, like she all of a sudden like kind of takes pity on this guy who's you know right. the worst possible situation she's the one who initiates everything he finally nuts up and says he wants to hang out with her but all of a sudden you know she just ignores all his flaws and faults and is just like oh you know you should be more gung-ho and like at the bar with the the music and she like signs him up or whatever but she before she goes and gets some drinks she's like you don't need to dote on me peter right and like oh she, you know she's so She'll take care of herself, and I don't need to take care of her. I can just be the, you know, man-child that I've been sort of thing. Like, it all just felt like, yeah, you're, there's a little bit of, like, you've created this dream girl within the movie sort of feel, feel to it. As right. opposed to, like, a real three-dimensional female with, fa- with flaws and perfections. Well, I have an alternative perspective on that a little bit. Okay. Um, I, I know... I know from uh, personal experience, at least, that uh, sometimes that kind of situation can actually happen. And I don't know if it's because rom-coms have kind of taught us that that's how it's possible. Or if it, you know, if it's the chicken and the egg kind of thing, where which came first. But I know from at least, I can think of one relationship off the top of my head, that that kind of started where oh i can think of a couple where i was i played both roles where one person is essentially sees someone that is hurting or sees someone that is struggling through a, a life event and not necessarily thinks that they can fix them but help them through at least and then throughout that process then you start realizing oh shit i might have feelings for this person but when you start out, you're just helping that person out because you care about them. And maybe something deep down inside does like them. And you're not really admitting it to yourself. Especially since they're fresh out of something. So right now you're just caring for them and helping them through it. And then all of a sudden they start getting attached to you. Because now you're kind of their rebound, emotionally. And then you realize, like, okay, I don't... I don't want to be that rebound. So I'm going to pull away like she does several times throughout the movie. She she pulls away from him every time he makes an advancement and then only gives in later in the movie when she starts realizing that she has... Uh, I mean, she only denies him once, really. I thought it was... It was once in the car and... I guess, yeah, it was only the car. Yeah, I'm thinking of all the like verbal cues where she's like, like the doting thing and the yeah. I mean, um, 
the the things that she kind of says early yeah. on in the movie. I mean, I I I get what you're saying on that. I yeah, I just overall I I mean, I like their relationship. It's cool. I I like how they kind of they learn to And by all learned, means for the record, I'm not saying it's I know, a great I know. way to go about things at all. Oh, yeah. Obviously it is not 100%. because it hasn't worked for me. So <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I just uh like with I like how they learned how to take the leap, you know, just like they jumped off that rock, the symbolism. Uh, right. Know. Yeah. And, wow, I didn't uh, even think about that. Yeah, yeah you're they, right. Obviously. So, um, and like, and there'll be a little more talked about it in, in uh, After Ever After. Uh, but um, just. Oh, you got one for it this time? I actually got one this All time. Right. I All know. Right. Um, but. At the same time, it's just like, other than, you know, oh, you know, show no fear, I just didn't feel like there's a lot of depth to their romance. Yeah, they didn't get a whole lot of, uh, they didn't get a whole lot of screen time. And I, I feel yeah. like, I mean, well, because the whole movie's about a breakup. Yeah, a br- like, yeah, half of it's about a breakup, but it only went over a week. Yeah, yeah so, like, you, you know. can't really, you can't really develop a real lasting relationship There's out just of that. The, it go, the, like just the well, pessimism, can, the pessimism know, of but... being in our early 30s. We feel like we had the life experience to know there's no such thing as a free lunch in this situation. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like the bartender says, like, a date? No, she's in the service industry. I bet you think strippers <laughs> like you, too. You know, like, so, so it's just that whole idea of, like, they only spent a week and she's in the service industry. No matter what happened, there's still always that inherent, like, what happens after. Right. Which may be a bit of a spoiler there. Well, maybe um, we should get into it then. Well, first we got to talk about the kiss, though. Is that what comes first? We I still don't know this order. We do that. I mean, they But we do need to talk about the kiss. You're right. We do. Yes. We do. Because I mentioned the metaphorical rock. Well, they actually jumped off a rock. And that well, was, yeah, I thought that's that, what you were referring to. Yeah, exactly. And in that, after they jumped off the rock, they had their first kiss. Oh, see, I was imagine. Okay, okay, okay. Because I was thinking, I guess, yeah, we're we're technically doing first kisses, right? Yeah, I mean, Not that's what we did kiss. with Notting Hill. Yeah, like I, I feel like it depends on I the. movie. I Forgot about that one. It depends on the movie. So in this case, this movie, I feel like that's the kiss. Right. Did you want to Let's... talk about the kiss at the very end? Yeah, actually, so. <laughs> This might be an interesting way to, to take this, actually. Well, let's talk about the one at the very end. We won't grade it, though, because we'll, we'll focus on the first one. But, well, but. why don't we... Why don't, okay, sure. Yeah. I was going to say, why don't we each pick one that we that we think is the oh, so you actually and then think, discuss you think why the one we at think the it's end? the end? Okay. Yeah, because I actually, right, like... So then you tell me about why do you think it's the ending. So, the first one, I completely... I, First of all, I'd completely forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. It was so fast and quick, and it was almost like a little peck, and you kind of forget about it. And yeah, I mean, comparatively, it wasn't like yeah. the big romantic gesture kiss that we're used to seeing in, mm-hmm. in rom coms, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and the to me, it symbolized like her finally letting her guard down enough to be like, "Oh, I actually like this person." Okay. But to me, the end one was the well. Of course, it's obvious because she flies across the fucking ocean to come see a, a fucking play, which to me is that's the most unrealistic part of the story. 
was that well, gesture. It but, just so happened that she was also visiting a school. Sure, to to school. sure, yeah. sure. So uh, yet again, she's moving somewhere for a boy. And school. And, well, yeah, okay. Um, so, but the end was, to me, the obvious one where she finally was, like, saying, fuck everything. I don't just want to admit that I kind of have feelings or that I kind of like you. It's, I'm here, you're here, this is real. Let's do it. Like, it's not it, it. This isn't Bone Town. All right. <laughs> Bone. Bone. <laughs> so, I just mean, like, they're finally both kind of recognizing that there's something real between them. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like a kind of playful, not playful, not to downplay it, but it's you know what I mean. Like, yeah. It's not a flirtation. Yeah. Just a flirtation. It's not a flirtatious kiss. It's a real, very minimal, but still there, love kiss to me. Like there was actual real passion behind it, real feeling. Okay. So that's why to me that was like the kiss because right. it had more emotional meaning to it, I guess. I just got super romantic about it. Well, what grade do you give it? That one, that one I would say I, I would give it, I would give that an A minus. Wow, okay. I agree with you and in, in some ways like... Jason sim- Siegel could have done a little bit better, but... <laughs> I- he always kisses weird. He did he that does. in How I Met Your Mother, he too. Does. He just, like, has his mouth, like, open, yeah. and then he just kind of, like... really weird. A pause at it, like it's a fucking... So, which we'll get into here in a second, as far as the technique. But I agree with you, like, the whole... She kind of, you know, fully commits. Yeah. Because she's there, embraced in the arms of this large, naked man. <laughs> Like, who's granted, has already had sex with her. But which, nonetheless. Which I really like that they started the movie that way and ended it. Like, yes, he's getting broken is, up with. Uh, yes. And, and you uh, know, you know that's going to create some sort of. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is it called? Um, like a, not a neurosis, but like a, uh, it's going to create a scar. It's going to yeah, create. an insecurity. A, an insecurity. Thank yes. you. So, like, it's not obviously realistic but having it wrap up that way where it immediately yeah. heals the possible potential insecurity yeah that's and, nice yeah and and so like and she's like in like they show the bodies and it's not just for the sight gag but also to show how close they are and like right connected in the embrace so like i get all that too. and everything but i feel like that kiss is also you know it's partly comedic too and it kind of goes back to the whole how the comedy of the movie shines mm-hmm. and the romance is put on the back burner for the comedy and they went for the comedy there as opposed to the romance in my opinion right that's why i think the first kiss is more i guess in this case a little more uh real i guess uh, like it's it more be, real life yeah it's less rom-com that, yeah, you're right. Vulnerable is the word I was looking for. I yeah. feel like that's a more vulnerable yeah. kiss because they literally just jumped and took this huge risk to the point where, like, you have this adrenaline rush and you're just, like, it's almost like an out-of-body experience to jump from that high into the, like, and to survive and just be, like, I'm alive sort of thing. Yeah. And there is this, and then the, you also throw fear into it because he literally got stuck on the side of the rock and had to, like, 
push himself off, landed flat back, didn't know if he was going to come up <laughs> through the water, came up through the water. So there's all these emotions and feelings rushing through. So with all that, when you get that kind of sensory overload, you just can't do anything but just be in that moment who you are. Like there's yeah. nothing else. And the decision made in that moment is for her to kiss him and kind of and go the 90 and he goes to 10. You know what I mean? <laughs> God, that and, was that was a really fitting movie to start yeah, off. Yeah, it was a good one to start off. And so and I just and also it's a it's a substantial kiss, but it also is just one kiss, just a start right. to it. So you don't see Jason Siegel do the weird mouth <laughs> claw. So he, that that way like it's not you know, mouth claw, is that what you call it? It's just like cuz he's like he keeps it up with like a claw and he just like kind of taps at it. It's like it's like you got. It's like you had one of those, like one of those like animal like pickup machines, like you know. The oh my god! The, yeah, the claw animals. machine. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a claw machine, but like the claws old <laughs> and like malfunctioning. So like when you hit the tap button, it doesn't actually close. It just like kind of goes in a little bit and then comes out. And you're just like, I wasted fifty cents on a machine that doesn't work. These motherfuckers, oh, you know. Man. So like, <laughs> that that that's kind of what I see in the last kiss. I'm never gonna not kiss, see a mouth claw now. When you see him kiss, yeah, like, but in this movie, like that kiss, that first one in there, he doesn't necessarily have the mouth claw. They film well, and then also Mila Kunis, like, just after the kiss, like the her eyes are just like perfect in that kiss. Yeah, like, the way it's filmed too. Her eyes are just magnificent, and it's just. So, the build-up and, like... The, Tell me how you really also, feel about me, like, Just, like, the beautiful scenery and everything. Like, that legit is an A to me. That kiss. That one in the water is okay. an A. Just because of all the build-up, how, like, their kiss, it feels lived in and real, but it's also done in a way that's very, you know, like, it doesn't take you... It doesn't catch you off guard, but at yeah. the same time, you don't have this, like, sweeping music coming yeah. in. Yeah. And, like, they're swimming in the... And it's a beautiful scene. It's really But realistic. then also it ends... There, like, it's just very perfect. It's a it's a perfect kiss. So it's an A for me. Okay. And I give the... And if we are giving grades for the... I'd give a C- minus to the ending kiss. Really? Yeah. I think, as I mentioned, it's more comedy than romance, so... Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. And the claw. <laughs> and the claw. Yeah, the claw fucking killed it. Oh, man. See, I think for this one, I was definitely grading, like, the... I Yeah, I guess I, was, I really wasn't really grading the kiss itself. I was grading, like, the gravity of it or, like, the yeah. the romance of it or yeah. the feeling behind it. I wasn't grading, like, the actual kiss. And I really, if I really did take an objective look at that kiss... Yeah, that mouth claw, man. Yeah, man. Uh, that might bring it down to a solid B plus for me, but. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I mean, that kiss is kind of a microcosm of what ends up happening in the relationship after ever after, though. So do tell. I you got so, dirt here. In my opinion, what happens ever after ever after is that. Not the, in your opinion. This is written in stone. Oh, you yeah, you got the dirty stone. deets here. Yeah. So what happens after ever after is that they don't last. Mm. <laughs> like Peter and Rachel. I, I are good people. They find love elsewhere, but this is in and of itself a rebound. Okay. And that's what it, that's where it stays. So like, this is, how the do you first... know? Who did you hear it from? <laughs> You're like so pretty. Tell me all the gossip. You're like so pretty. Thank you. Shut up. No, don't you. You're pretty. 
I fucking hate you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, the, like, as far as the... the you lost your train of thought, didn't you, after that? They've only known each other for a week, <laughs> and she's in the service industry. Like, that's the foundation behind this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And granted, it could be something more, but, like, after six months, I just don't see them staying together. Like, I just don't see that it continues to work out. I feel like they're... So doesn't it just naturally end, do you think? I think it does naturally end because I think they both know that they've been hurt by cheating significant others, that they wouldn't want to do that to the other person. And But I also think that that kind of insecurity doesn't necessarily solve itself right away with them. So there's constant question. There's the fact that he did, for a brief second, receive a blowy from an ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So, Which, let's just get one thing straight here. <laughs> Granted, this is my opinion, and it could be wrong, but mm-hmm. cheating is not okay. Agreed. Like, there's no reason for it. I don't give a shit. Yeah. What you got going on? Yeah. Let's get real for a moment. Yeah. It's stupid. Yeah. And if... If you cheat, or if you have, even if you get to that point where you are considering it, it's not about the other person. It's not at all. So stop acting like it is. Stop blaming it on someone else. It's okay that it's you, but at least admit that it's you first. Recognize that there's something missing in your life. And that there's something more that you want. There's a change you need that you crave. And I guarantee you, sleeping with someone else while you're in a relationship, whatever level relationship that might be, won't fill that fucking void. You need to figure that shit out and you need to fix it while you're in the relationship or you might need to end the relationship be in, order to, yeah, in, in order to fix that void. Yeah. But either way, sleeping around is not going to fix it. Yep. That's the selfish move. Yeah. That's my that's my uh, personal rant for the evening. <laughs> I had to get real for a moment because it, it did involve that uh, theme. So I wonder what could that be in reference to? Yeah, actually, I'm I'm very thankful that that I haven't had to experience it from the uh, the relationship side. Yeah. But, so uh, if you haven't knock knock on here, <laughs> there. yeah, if you haven't had it from the relationship side, I wonder. What else? Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, yeah, my parents got divorced when I was a teenager because my dad cheated on my mom. So, uh, but it was a a lengthy, long process, and I I actually discovered a letter from my dad's mistress, matron? What are they called? Uh, Is it called? What? Matron? Mistress? What? Mistress didn't sound right either. Mistress is correct. Okay, well, it sounded too formal. I don't, so I went. So I went to matron. I guess. I, I don't know. know why you went to matron. What is a matron? Is it real? Is that a made-up word? I don't know. Okay. That sounds like like uh, the word for like a fucking <laughs> whorehouse owner, a maison. Oh, you might be right. Yeah. No, that's. But that's like a maison dare or something. Like oh, that. okay. You're going way too fancy for me. Uh, right? Yeah. Anyway. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so you get the you get you get what it is. You get the gist. So yeah. just in case you hear Max, yeah, you know, getting mad about a movie for a certain like cheating thing. Yeah, 
there's a there's a background. And I mean, it. don't get me wrong. Like I love both my parents, and and we have we've had our conflicts over the years, and we're different people and everything. Just like you know, you're supposed to be. But you know, I, I still just I don't I don't get it. I don't I understand agree. it. But there's no reason for anyway, it. Anyway, like I, it was good of Peter though in the movie to be up front immediately, and in that situation. It was. In that situation, there still isn't anything official. So, like, technically, like, there's technicalities behind it as far as it not necessarily being a total... Like, there wasn't a true commitment made with Rachel. Right. I mean... Yeah, it wasn't like they it, were... It was definitely going anything, yeah. somewhere, but, like, there wasn't a true commitment made. So, I think it, I think what he did was the right move and that there is a possibility of a future beyond it. I right. just think that also she's visiting schools... So they probably do long distance while she's getting everything in order to move from Hawaii to L.A. So that distance is probably not going to be solved within like a few weeks. It's probably a couple months or so before she moves over. Who knows? Maybe it's the next term that she's going to be back in L- or be in L.A. So maybe it's four to six months of them doing long distance and flying to see each other where they're not like doing this whole like weekend at a time sort of thing and then once she actually moves and like probably like moves in or maybe there's a weird discussion about whether she should get her own place wait why wouldn't she just move in with me i have the space Mm. well i don't know maybe i should just have my own place i'll get somewhere nearby and you know we can see each other that way well why do you need your own space it's like that's a total realistic discussion that they could be having after ever after. I could One see it being many. even shorter, so, actually. And so I just feel like after they give it the good old college try, pun intended that time, <laughs> they de- she decides to move on. She's the one who initiates it, but he handles it a little better. It does hurt, but at the same time, he understands and and is... Uh, more equipped to deal with this because of the Sarah Marshall breakup, and then they find their significant others soon after. I like that. I like that. Also, I feel like the redhead from the <laughs> from oh. the couple uh, is uh, a dominatrix. <laughs> has a side That's... has a side dominatrix hustle, and like. They go to church and they have their two kids, but the kids don't know that she also has a dominatrix side hustle that the husband knows about. And and, he participates in actively? participates in as a cuck. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. So that's what's happening after ever after, man. (laughs) Damn, this was a juicy episode. (laughs) <laughs> all right so oh my god it's time to give our verdicts of the movie it is i'll go first since i'm already talking i believe that this movie is a fuck it's not quite a mary yeah it just fucked the movie because it's a really good comedy but i've seen it enough you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i know the lines once you know the lines once you know the beats once you know what the scenes are like i hadn't seen this movie in years so it was good to remind myself of it and like laugh at it but if i don't see it again i will still never forget it you know what i mean (laughs) so like it's one of those great fucks (laughs) 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 that you never forget that you don't necessarily need to go back to damn so that's my verdict. Well, in my opinion, I, I mean, I, I kind of, uh, I flip-flopped a little bit about that too. Mm-hmm. 
But in my opinion, a good fuck is worth putting a ring on. <laughs> so. And if it's as good as forgetting Sarah Marshall is, then uh, I'm going to marry it. There you go. That's a great verdict, too. I mean, it's close. It's I, I, I like this movie a lot. I just yeah. don't necessarily need to see it every so... Like, there's movies I need to see at least once a year, you know, out of this genre. Mm-hmm. This isn't one of them. Yeah. So. I get that. I get that. Yeah. But, so... Well. Yay, we, we did, did it. it. We did it. What is we this, were, episode seven in our about? Six. Six? And Jumping now for episode seven, we haven't talked about it oh, at haven't. all. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we did make a list. We did. We finally made a list yeah, of rom-coms. And so we kind of jointly picked this one. What we're thinking about doing is actually having one of us choose off of the list and then kind of at the beginning of the next episode, oh, yeah. talk about why you chose this particular movie. We won't necessarily dive into it now when you say it, but Max... I feel like you should start that off. You do? Yeah. Oh, wait. What are we got coming up? Next weekend is... what? what so are the next dates? weekend is the weekend before the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, and then there's the, you know, the Monday after the Super Bowl, which everyone will be hungover and not doing anything. Right. Um, and then the Monday after that will be Valentine's Day. So basically, you'll be able to pick next week's. I'll pick the one of the Super Bowl weekend, and then after that, we'll be doing. We, we already know we'll, what we're doing. Yeah, for... we know what we're doing. We'll go ahead and let you know early. It's gonna we're gonna <laughs> review Valentine's Day. I know. Valentine's... I know. You guys didn't see that coming. I know. I know. But reviewing that for the Monday before Valentine's Day. So in this case, that'd be uh, Monday, February tenth. Uh, that that oh, would come okay. out. Wait, so, so Valentine's Day is on... A Friday. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know why I'm ooing over that. I know. It's not uh, like I'm right. going to find someone in the next uh, like week or two and go... I mean, we don't know. Day. We don't know. Yeah, who, yeah knows? who knows? Maybe maybe you'll get you'll nut up on a hinge date and do it on Valentine's Jesus. Day. <laughs> so, um, I mean, maybe you'll start getting some, some connections here on Hinge in the next couple of weeks. Someone hoping... To get a Valentine's Day date out of you. Again, dropping more advertisement opportunities. Yeah, hey. If more you're in Chicago and listening to this, look for No, it. not for that. I meant for... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, actually, he's not wrong, but I mean, he's not wrong. For I mean, real, though. For, for real. real, for real. Yeah, I slide, mean, if you're in Chicago. You slide know. in his DMs, yeah. too. I mean, you don't even need to you know go through I'm an app. Just slide Instagram. in his DMs on Instagram, yeah. man. You know, it's, it's a public um, profile. You got it. Come on. But anyway, so you choose this one. <laughs> I'll choose the one after. And then we'll uh, Valentine's Day after that. And then we're also going to do the movie Leap Year. Although in this case, Leap Year is on a Saturday. So. Oh, is it? Yes. So we'll be doing. Well, we can, we can review so it on will a Saturday. So be coming out February 25th or 24th. So. We're going to do it before? Yeah. Oh. So that, like, because we have to do it before because then on the actual Leap Year day, if someone wanted to listen to it, but I, like you got to have it out before the actual day, and that's my own rule that I've just created. So, gotcha. Yes. So Max is having a look at the list right now. I am, and I am struggling. He is struggling. He's trying to figure it I out. So struggling. we've done a movie in the nineties, and we just did we've done a... multiple movies in the two thousands. Well, done, Notting Hill was nineties, right? What? Notting Hill was nineties. Yes, that's what I said. We've done a movie in the nineties. What was the eighties one? When Harry Met Sally. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, 89. Yep. See, I always think of that as a 90s movie. It feels like an early 90s movie, but it's technically 80s. Yeah, that was yes. a little ahead of its time. 
Yeah, it was like there's a reason like in our lifetime because technically it was right when we were right around when we were born in our lifetime romantic comedies have been around been influenced by that movie throughout our entire life yeah so yeah um probably gonna regret this choice but i'm thinking how to lose a guy in 10 days how to lose a guy in 10 days what year did that movie came come out I feel like it was early 2000s, maybe late 90s. I feel like that as well. Um, like really see. early 2000s. All right. So this movie came out in 2003. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So Do you want to do, do that? Yeah, let's do it. So we'll be doing How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I'm not going to okay. ask you why until the next episode. So we'll go over it then. <laughs> But um, but you can find us on our socials. The our Instagram is Bromancing the Stone Podcast. All that's our whole entire tag. So Bromancing the Stone Podcast, just like you know mm-hmm. our podcast is called. Also on Twitter, it is at Bro the Stone Pod. So B R O T H E S T O N E P O D. So Bro the Stone Pod, and then you can find me on Instagram. At Relusa88, that's R E L U S A 88. And also my Twitter, which is Supermarket Sweep without the R in Super. So S U P E Market Sweep on Twitter. And then Max? I am on Instagram at The Lionhearted, which is T H E period L Y O N H E H E A R. Wait, am I spelling it right? H E A R T E D. Yes, that is correct. All right, so... You can also just search for our names, right? Yeah. Like, I don't well, know why we I, spell it out every no, week. No, but see, Instagram search function isn't very good, so if you search oh. my name, it'll just come up with randoms. So really? Like you have to then look through pictures, and sometimes... Oh, that's true, Picture that's avatars true. aren't the greatest on Instagram, so... Yeah. Knowing, the, knowing the handle is better, so... Anyway... Thank you for listening yeah. to today's podcast. Thanks for sticking around, folks. I we hope appreciate this is it. Equally juicy for you guys. The tens and tens of listeners, we appreciate y'all. Love it. Love you. And we will talk to you next week. Next week. Have a good night. Good night.